Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. And we're live. One, two, three, four. What's up, everybody? Welcome to West Five Pod, a podcast about WVU, the Big 12, and downward facing horns. I'm Joel Bracken at WV Stats Guy. He's Jordan Pinto at Game Day Shorts. We're coming off a victory, knocking off the Virginia Tech Hokies and keeping that Black Diamond Trophy in Morgantown. Jordan, you were at the game. Tell me, tell me your experience in uh, in Lane Stadium. Yeah, man. So first of all, I just say like if you could distill the feeling that you get from winning a road rivalry game and like actually being there for it and like package it up in a drug and, and sell it, you would be like a goddamn billionaire because I, I could not have been riding higher out of the stadium on Thursday night. Could not have been riding higher all day. Friday had a smile on my face all weekend. Um, you know, had a parlay blow up in my face, but really like, you know, could not have had a better weekend football wise. Um, but yeah, no, as far as lane, man, it was a awesome, awesome day. It was raining a little bit when we got there, but the weather cleared up. Um, actually really windy. I know that people have kind of talked about that, but I was kind of surprised by that. Um, pretty stiff breeze, especially I was, I was about as high up in the stadium as you could get. Um, but, um, overall, man, awesome, awesome setting for, for watching a football game. I thought is a really neat old stadium. Um, I thought, I mean, you know, I'm not, I'm going to come off as a, just a West Virginia Homer here. Um, and so to caveat that I'm going to say their entrance is better than ours for sure. But like, I understand, man, actually kind of underwhelmed me. I don't, and I don't know if it was kind of because I was so high that like there weren't seats across from me. So I wasn't really down in mm-hmm. the shit, like kind of getting the full experience, but like, it wasn't that loud in the stadium. Um, and I don't know if it's just cause they're not good or, or what, but, um, you know, they threw some fireworks on the end to try and what I would say is it looks way better on TV than, than it did when I was there. Um, but it was loud. I mean, it was packed. You know, it was a good place to watch football. Shitty concession lines, but other than that, I had a had an awesome time. So that's awesome. Yeah, it's. I've been to Lane a few times, but not for any game of consequence. Um, so I couldn't really speak to that atmosphere. But yeah, you know, they they did their TV production. It, it looked good on TV. But I have read from several Mountaineer fans of like, oh, this is a big thing to experience, and maybe a little underwhelmed with Sandman. Either way, I think the energy level was. At the highest, you know, at the beginning of the game and early for in the sure. game for the Hokies. And um, West Virginia really just, you know, in a way, kind of a slow grind, wore them down. And, you know, I think all the air was out of the building for them in early fourth quarter or so. For sure. Um, but, yeah, road victory in a rivalry game. N- not just a road vic- like a commanding, decisive, like, punch your face in, leave early road win is – uh it's a hell of a thing in college football. That's, you know, that's, yeah, man, it's not easy to come by. So it's dude, wait, waving people out. So people started kind of filing out when, when, uh, Justin Johnson scored to make it 26, uh, with what, like 14 and a half flat. It was one of the first plays of the fourth quarter. And then when, yeah, when spells pick six them, uh, that was kind of, 
kind of the exodus, you know, where it was like, all right, see you guys later. It's been, it's been a good one, you know, but, um, yeah, no decisive win needed it. And, you know, I don't know how good tech is, but, but we beat them the way that you would expect to beat a bad team. So, you know, can't, can't complain about it at all. Yeah. I can't complain. So yeah, I guess just for the pod, you know, we're going to be breaking down a little bit more into the VT uh, recap because I think there are definitely some interesting things to unpack and talk about. I think a lot of a lot of storylines out of there. Um, then we'll spend a little bit of time talking to, talking about the Big 12 because crazy weekend in the Big 12. And I mean, just really exciting looking forward because things are wide open and, and there's just lots of lots of fun developments going on. So we'll talk about that and then getting ready for. Texas Longhorns night game in Austin. Um, very big one for our program. You know, pretty big one for them too. They just got embarrassed um, by a team that kind of wants to call them a rival and Texas says they're not a rival, but you lose to them. And, uh, you know, it's say, a rough spot for them to too. Yeah, quit seriously. To if you don't want to be a rival, <laughs> quit losing to them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so, so what do we want to do? We want to, we want to start with, uh, VT here. What do you go ahead, man? You had, you had some notes written down. Yeah, just, I, you know, I think lots of stuff to talk about VT. You know, the first one is, I, you know, like you said, don't know how good VT is. Um, I think still definitely like getting some growing pains. There's four games into a new coach. Um, the talent level, I mean, I think especially like at the quarterback position, there was no question of who had the better quarterback on the field. Um, and, you know, the, the defensive line for Virginia Tech was kind of held at a high regard and West Virginia was the one who held, you know, holds the other team to under what 60 rushing yards or something. I think like. it was like 35. Yeah, it was it like was, their was lowest total low. since 2015. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So turns out there are more undisciplined teams than us out there because <laughs> every time we needed a bailout penalty and a late hit and you know something silly like I feel like Virginia Tech delivered pretty pretty continuously on opportunities like that. Um, were, were the, the, the hokey faithful pretty frustrated or, you know, being there, I'm sure it was getting angsty. It, yeah, there's a little bit of angst. I actually, so, you know, I wasn't super close to any, to any big pockets, but yeah, you could tell there's a little bit of restlessness, but the thing was, is, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't a whole lot of marginal calls, you know, where it was like, man, that could have gone either way. It was like, yeah. yeah, that was definitely a face mask or yeah, that was definitely PI, you know? So, I mean, you know, you can hate, you can be frustrated with the team, but it's not like they could be upset with the officials for, for throwing the flags, you know, it was just like, it's a flag that had to be thrown. Um, yeah. so yeah, not, not as bad. It, it probably would have been worse in Mountaineer field. Cause yeah, I, sometimes I feel like we, uh, we don't really care whether it was a good call or not, but, um, yeah, no, that's a good point. Is is most of those penalties? I mean, the face mask, a lot of the the defensive holdings, the late hit on a third down, like all of those are yeah. pretty cut and dry. Like, right? Yeah, you don't want to admit it, but that's a penalty. You know, it just is what it is. Um, for sure. So, you know, I think this game was interesting too because as this game sort of got going, settled in, you know, everyone chilled out from Sandman, and you're in the second quarter. If Grant Wells hits a wide open guy streaking down the field, this is like very easily a fourteen three game, and you're like whoa even though you don't feel like you're the worst team here um it could have gotten out like it was very very close to a 14-3 game you make that fourth down stop and you know just kind of the grind just you know start start moving the ball the offense sort of i think really settled in i mean it woke up as time went on i don't know if that was wearing down the defense or maybe you know like a a halftime adjustment or adjusting on the fly um you know it's interesting i know that there's a lot of 
hate it for Neil Brown sometimes about not adjusting at halftime or not making those in-game adjustments, but it felt like we got better and stronger as this game went on. Um, you have anything to add to that? Or do you feel like, I mean, it seemed like as, as time went on, it just was like more convincing that we were the better team. For sure. I, I think that the, the feeling in the stadium was that we were the better team even, even early. Um, so I want to say, yeah, it was seven, three when they missed that pass that was against Jacoby spells, by the way. So who knows if they hit that, if maybe he's not in the game to, to pick six them later, but um, the interesting thing about that is, you know, I felt like we were kind of dropping, dropping seven, dropping eight on Wells and just kind of being like, Hey, if you, you know, if you can complete passes and find windows, you know, good luck. That was like the first time we actually put somebody in his face and like, thank God we did, because I feel like mm-hmm. that was the difference of him, of him overthrowing the ball. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think, you know, so they missed that pass. We end up getting the field goal and like, I think it was kind of pretty clear that like it, you know, we were moving the ball on them. We were stopping them more than they were stopping us. We just hadn't punched it in yet. And so that's why it was such a, you know, a huge, that, that two minute sequence, uh, before halftime, you know, when they, they get the ball back with a minute 50 after our second field goal. Um, I don't think they went three and out, but they, they might've got a first down and then, then went three and out and punted it back to us. And we went down and scored to make it, uh, to make it 13, seven just kind of was like, ah, oh, shit. Well, we, you know, we kind of, we kind of gave them our, our shot and, Mm-hmm. They they took it and and you know this this might be a wrap. Um, so yeah, I don't even know. I don't know if we even changed all that much. I think it was just that you know we stopped kicking field goals, started scoring touchdowns. Yeah, and you know this game, like I said, it felt like we were the better team. Just watching you know individual plays and drives go together, but yep. I don't know if it was late third or early fourth. You know, it was still like sixteen ten. It was actually like you know this is one play away from being like kind of sweaty, even though you feel like you're commanding this game. Um, you know, one thing I, I think I just want to bring up a criticism of Neil Brown and we, you know, it's been well talked about was the conservative play calling or the conservative game management. And, you know, I think it definitely continued in this game. You, you know, field goals are failures. Field goals are not going to win you games, especially against some high powered offenses. Um, we were inside the Virginia tech 40 yard line. So that's like what is called an opportunity inside the 40. We were inside eight times. One of those was running the clock out. So I won't count that, but seven times inside the 40 and you're trying to score, you get 26 points out of that. So that's two touchdowns um, and, and a bunch of field goals. That's, you know, that's not it, it, four field goals. And they, they were all the field goals were inside the 21 yard line. Yeah. Um, so that was just one thing that I, I feel like we don't beat Texas if we kick four field goals. So I think Virginia Tech's offense was, was, uh, you know, just not really that threatening and we got away with it over time, but that would be my one critique. And, you know, it always is nice to win by like 25 points and walk away and be like, okay, well, these are things we can do better. Um, so, you know, I think against this opponent, totally fine. It worked out. We kicked field goals. A six point lead felt pretty commanding against that offense. Like you just weren't that worried. Um, but just something looking forward. I'd like to, you know, continue to see more aggressive play call. Um, it, it just generally works out for the best. The one fourth down, I think we do go for Caden Prather makes a great move and you know, everything so works was, out and keep, keep moving. That was the one. And then it was like very clearly like, uh, okay, we've kind of learned our lesson from this. Maybe was the, the one they ended up getting a penalty on where we didn't even complete the pass, but like, that's the chance you take, right? Where we, yeah. it's fourth and one, we flinch it's fourth and six and we went for it anyways. Right. And, and, you know, we didn't complete the pass, but we got the first down. And so, you know, that's just like, that's the pressure that you're putting on a defense in those situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought that was really good to see, you know, it's like kind of felt like even in the post game, it feels like Neil's kind of like, we kind of talked a couple weeks ago, we need to get a little bit of swag back. Um, yeah. And it feels like, you know, 
maybe he is, you know, it, it, you hate that it, that it took an 0 2 start, but like the guy doesn't seem like he's, re- he's going to leave too many bullets in the chamber uh, going forward, which is, which is good. Yeah, he definitely in the post game had some swag and was just like, yeah, we felt good about this one. Like we weren't worried. And like I said, I don't know if that's an indictment on the state of Virginia tech football right now, but um, all in all, you walk away with a very commanding win. Maybe you sl- started slow, but you know, you get a pick six, which is something this defense has struggled with forcing turnovers. Um, you clean up some stuff. And then I think just tons of bright spots in like the young talent. I was say, yep. Um, I mean, CJ Donaldson is just, you could, you could really just go about him every week. It's like, wow, this guy just keeps delivering. This guy's like a, a true freshman. It's unbelievable. Um, Prather. Yeah, I mean, yeah, just, you're seeing a lot of young guys develop. Prather, Justin Johnson spells on the other side, Hershey McLaurin making plays on the other side. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it feels good. Like, I mean, Donaldson, what, you know, I want to say in the first five minutes of the game, um, you know, two, two, forced two missed tackles. One of them was on a third and four, even where, yep. you know, literally you watch this play 99 times. Um, and the guy just, the guy is running to the flats. The defensive back sees it, breaks on it, just cuts his leg out for, for a two yard gain and it's fourth down. And Donaldson somehow, like just stopped and just moved his moved his legs, fell forward for five yards and got the first down. You know where it's just there's no drill that you can do. There's no practice. You know you can't you can't teach that. You can't learn that. That's just some innate shit that he has that other guys don't have. Um, and no, I loved it. I mean, what did he he had twenty twenty uh, twenty three carries twenty carries. Um, he had a lot. I think he went right over a hundred. Um, yeah, definitely is probably his biggest contribute. Yeah, twenty three carries for one hundred and six. He's yeah. still listed on ESPN as a tight end, which is hilarious. Man, it's crazy. Um, but now, glad to see. I mean, he's you know he has uh, he's he's earned it, man. You know how can we not give the guy the ball when he keeps making plays the way he does? So um, yeah. yeah, we we got to do everything we can to keep him happy, keep giving him the rock, keep getting in tutties, um, get him some nice NIL deals as the season goes Seriously. on and into the off season because. Um, yeah, he's a he's a special one, man. He is special. He's right now seventh in the country in PFF running backs. Um, once again, a freshman. Um, also, his for, like I don't know, maybe his technique, his form as a runner, he just does not look threatening. Like even that move you're talking about, it was just like a little like sidestep. It wasn't like a juke. It wasn't a spin. It was just like oh, I'm gonna lift this leg and kind of skirt around him. But it's so efficient. I don't know if it's just his size, which he's only gonna get bigger and stronger um, no. as as they get a hold of him for a year, but. Yeah, somebody needs to back the the Brinks truck up and, and keep him in Morgantown because <laughs> this guy could be really special. Um, and, you know, a great compliment was the offensive line. I think, like, totally won the battle with the defensive oh, line of Virginia Tech that we thought was going to be, you know, a big deal. We thought this was going to be a team that was huge on pressures, you know. But we gashed him in the running game. I think we went over 200 again, maybe, oh, combined. Yeah. And, you know, I felt like JT, other than, like, one sack, was he had all the time he needed. Oh, I mean, according to PFF, uh, pressured on four on four of his thirty-one dropbacks. So that's, um, that's that's definitely the best number of the season. Um, and they definitely you know there's some blitzes in there as well. So it's not like they were just rushing four and, and hoping for the best. Um, and we you know we picked up everything everything that they threw at us, man. I don't know if you saw J- Jaquay Hubbard. Um, yep. Really, really nice PFF grade somewhere in the high eighties. I can't remember exactly what it was, but but definitely his best game was a Mountaineer. Um, and you know, you start looking at this line and, uh, you know, if you, if you sort right tack, right tackle has been a weakness for the last two seasons, right? You get that sorted. Wyatt Milam is grading out as the third or fourth best tackle in the conference right now on the left side. So, you know, you get your bookends figured out. 
we got an all-american center in the middle um it's really starting to come together so we just need doug nestor to think he's playing vt every game also because he had his best game as a mountaineer yeah uh, in the in the return so yeah the offensive line i mean i feel like this was just like the the biggest gel moment they've had this season for sure for sure Um, they could do no wrong i mean it was encouraging because you know like i said i don't know if this is a skill gap to vt but moving into conference play um yeah, just a huge, huge thing for this offense. Man, this offense, like, you, f- I feel really good about this offense right now. We have weapons are stepping up. Justin Johnson, Prather, you know Bryce Ford Wheaton's going to show great, up. Man. Donaldson's going to show up. The offensive line's great. I'm not worried about JT. Like We haven't even could- mentioned Sam James and Reese Smith, man. Those guys both made plays, you know? Yeah, like- O'Laughlin, O'Laughlin. Uh, other than the drop touchdown, he made some plays, some, like, nope. third down catches. Um, Yeah, this offense is fun, dude. How long has it been since we had a fun offense? It's... It's, you know, at least three years. I mean, at least yeah. three years. Yeah. Three, three, three long slog years, man. Um, but yeah. And, and it did. Yeah. The best part we've, we've touched on it, uh, you know, is, is the balance, right? You know, Graham Harrell comes in as an air raid guy. Um, and he kind of even said right off the top, look, it's, it's, I'm not going to be Mike Leach. I see it as more of a philosophy. We're going to find the, you know, the few things that we do well and just do them, do them really fucking well and make people stop us. And, Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's done just that, man. We've we've shown that we can run the ball with Donaldson. We got that, you know, kind of inside power play. We've got some outside zone stuff that started to look pretty good. We got receivers on both sides of the formation. So, yeah, I, I love it, man. Yeah, it's it's nice. Um, You know, we've kind of been b- before the show, we were kind of talking about some of the spreads and stuff. And it's like, dude, we don't have to hold teams to 20 points anymore to have a chance to win. You know, like no. we just have get a couple stops on on each side of halftime and you got a shot. For sure. And yeah, just on the air raid philosophy, I love the way it's been run. I I think my favorite like kind of drive or like maybe segment of plays was in the second half. Justin Johnson was warming up and you complete a big pass. Then you hurry to the line. The defense is still trying to get the play in. You hand a little inside zone to Justin Johnson. He puts 15 more up. Defense is still scrambled. You feed him again. He gets like eight more. That's like the perfect air rate. It doesn't have to be through the air, but kind of like getting to the line. He's on like, like the balance that we have. Um, I love that quick hurry up and, you know, kind of get like chunk plays uh, back to back to back. Just stack them. Yeah, absolutely. And that just gets the defense on their heels. It's, it's uh, yeah. No, I mean, those offense is great. Like you said, the defense doesn't have to make every stop anymore. Um, it's just like make a few and, I feel really good about our run defense after that night. I mean, yeah. Virginia Tech had, I mean, I think Grant Wells maybe had one or two, you know, scrambles. But other than that, like designed runs, I, I don't know if anything went more than five or six yards. At yeah, nothing. Yeah, it's 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 coming together up front, man. The I don't know. The the, the front six still has a little ways to go. And actually, I do want to single out uh, Kogba because yep. he was kind of a weakness, I think, through the first two games. Looks like. You know, maybe it's the quality of the opponent, but it looks like things are starting to slow down for him. I mentioned his uh, his depth of tackle two weeks ago was like four and a half yards. It's down to three yards after the last two weeks. So I think it's uh, it's slowing down for him a little bit. And then the big thing is, you know, you know Stills is going to be good, right? The guy's a preseason yeah. first team all conference. But having Jordan Jefferson kind of emerge, um, and you know, I still I, I don't think he's as good of a pass rusher as as Mesador was. But holy shit, is he? just a load in the running mm-hmm. game. I mean, that guy, yeah. that guy does not budge off the line of scrimmage. He's making plays in the backfield every game. Um, and so those two guys in the middle, it's, it's a really strong, you know, heart to the defense, I guess, for, for lack of a better term, um, you know, and hopefully we continue to lean on it. We need some, you know, we need some more playmakers on the back end, which I, it seems like maybe that's coming along, but, but uh, 
just in terms of the trenches, uh, you know, trench on on defensive side of the ball, he has to feel really good. Yeah, trenches look good. Koba is a violent tackler. I would not want to get hit by that guy. <laughs> dude, there was a third and one. I think it was before the Grant Wells power play. Yep. Where this dude has, you know, he has a crease, right? And it's literally Koba and the running back one-on-one in the hole and just absolutely stonewalled him. Um, yeah. It was just like, holy shit, man. Like, yeah, I had, to, I had to rewind. I was like, who was that? And it was like, oh, it's Koba. And then he, he got up and, dude, he's a lunatic after he makes plays. You know, he's like <laughs> smacking his helmet and yeah. just like just like absolutely losing his mind, um, which you love to see. So um, he's, he's started to get a little closer to kind of the guy we had in our head over the last two weeks, though. So hopefully, I mean, we're going to need him. I'm sure we're going to talk about it. Uh, we're going to need him this week too. So, hundred percent. Yeah, we're going to need somebody to to make some sure tackles this week. Um, but yeah, like you said, the secondary. You know, I think it's trying to find pieces. Kobe Spells is a freshman. That play he made on the ball. There's some other angles from the broadcast angle, kind of like a you know more like a sideline angle. I mean, he played. A, he made a great play on that ball. He's in like a a, a protect zone, and he just he covered cuts three the yeah. off. He cover three and yeah they ran a little cover three beater like a little switch where you know you're kind of hoping to suck the say it suck him one way or the other and yeah and uh he read it, throw like it to where he, oh man baited him right into it and jumped it and then i mean you see 10 10 6 speed out there baby you know that's how you that's how you house it so yeah, yeah. that was an awesome play that's where you you know jordan leslie's talking about he's an ex- instinctive football player um and boy that i mean that looked great you know i'm sure there there's going to be some lumps man but i almost don't care because I haven't seen anybody else on our team even threaten to make a play like that through four weeks. So it's like, yeah, dude, I'll take, I'll take some lumps if we're going to get plays like that. I mean, shit. Yeah. And that's one of those confidence type things too. Like we probably win that game with or without that. Like we were up 16. I'm feeling good about the, you know, we're we're probably fine, but that's like young guy makes a big play, seals the game. Like that's a, that's could be a huge confidence booster for him. Um, And then, you know, obviously we know that woods is not back yet. I know there's some buzz that maybe he comes back after the Texas game, but you insert him back in and, you know, trial by fire, we maybe find another guy or two in that secondary to step up like spells. Um, yeah, it, it could come together. And like you said, we have the offense to complement. So um, it, what a difference two weeks makes because two weeks ago, um, Kansas just gashed us. We thought they were still Kansas of old. And, you know, we had all these lots of things. Kansas is 4-0. They're sitting a spot outside the polls. The offense has come, you know, offense is everything is advertised. People are stepping up. Defense is finding a way. Um, and the Big 12 is wide open. So wide know, open, wide open. It's anybody's game. Um, so super exciting. Um, yeah. So I don't know anything else you want to add to the to the uh, the Black Diamond Trophy game. Um, I think it was just a great game. We needed this and it felt good to just win a, a, a non sweaty road rivalry big game. Just you know, convincingly. Absolutely. Felt great. And I think uh, that, that wide open uh, comment, I think that's a, a perfect segue to get into the, uh, the recap, the precap. Yeah, let's do it. All righty. So I'm um, trying to think in early action, we had, we had Baylor, Iowa state and we had TCU SMU, mm-hmm. which I didn't, I didn't watch a lot of that game. Did you see, did you see much of that? I was busy with other stuff. I was busy yeah, watching that was, Kansas and Baylor and Iowa State. So that was the one I did not catch either. Um, yeah, TCU kind of they they kept like a comfortable one to two possession lead that whole game um, and just kind of you know wedged them out the end. They're scoring forty two. They're you know I think that offense is going to be good. Duggan was playing well um, from clips I saw. So yeah, not not any huge takeaways from that one though. For sure, for sure. And then so we we kind of uh, talked about Kansas got the four and zero. 
um, hosted Duke, sold out, sold out field, sold out stadium in in Lawrence. Um, got the win, thirty five twenty seven. Actually, got a little dicey at the end. Couldn't believe it. They were up kind of two touchdowns the whole game, and then it ended up needing a needing a fourth down stop in their own half of the field to to get out of there. But another ridiculous performance from Jalen Daniels. I think he had five touchdowns and only four incompletions. Um, something like nineteen of twenty three for three hundred yards and change. So, um, you know, I don't I don't know if I'd trade him for JT. But I don't think there's another quarterback in the conference I'd rather have than that guy. There's probably not five more quarterbacks in the country I'd rather have than him right now. So, yeah, what a emergence! I mean, everyone he was uh, a lot of sleeper picks, like a fun quarterback in the Big Twelve to watch. It was like Kansas doesn't have the worst quarterback in the conference, probably. Right. Um, but yeah, the the guy's a gamer. He just figures it out. And man, like Kansas had several like big highlight plays in that game. Like they yeah. are, they got swag right now. They're not. They're not like the Kansas of old. Um, they they definitely have a different energy to them. So you know, Duke may or may not be great, but Kansas is four and zero. They're coming into conference Take care play. Of business. Yeah, they're it's and they've you know they're one and zero in conference, unfortunately. But um, you know they're 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 in there as well as anyone else at this point, for sure. Um, so then the other the other early game we talked about Baylor Iowa State. A um, little bit of a slugfest. Uh, both of those teams definitely look like they're they're going to be trying to run the ball more than they're going to be trying to throw it this year. Both breaking in new quarterbacks. Both have pretty solid offensive lines. Um, I think Baylor Baylor it was kind of the same same kind of deal, right? They were they felt like they were up a touchdown or two. Um, you know, they were always kind of seven or ten points, fourteen points ahead. And Iowa State would close it to seven again, and then Baylor would go down and score. Um, but I don't know. We were we were kind of chatting before. I don't think either of these teams have a ton of a ton of pop on the outside. Um, you know, I mean, the one guy you'd say is Xavier Hutchinson uh, from Iowa State. But other than that, man, it just looks like they're, they're both going to try and run the ball. And I don't know. I don't I don't really hate the way, you know, having having watched them play one game. Uh, I don't hate the way that we match up with them. Um, I don't know. What would you, you think about that game? Yeah, I wasn't overly impressed by either. Like, there wasn't any, like, big pop from either team. Uh, yeah, Baylor just kind of... You know, had some fortunate bounces, some fortunate calls early. They got up and then they just kind of rode it out. Uh, it felt like a Big Ten game to me. It was yeah. a lot of defense, a lot of running, and uh, yeah, Deckers looked fine. You know, Chapin looked fine. I like I said, just nothing like really popped off the screen to me. Um, I don't know. I don't know where these teams rank in the conference if they, if they're both just average or what. But um, yeah, it just kind of it was just an uneventful game that Baylor, you know, kind of nudged them out for most of it. Yep. So then we had at 3.30, we had uh, Texas, Texas Tech, which, uh, spoiler alert, is, is the game that broke my parlay. Um, I had a nice plus 700 parlay <laughs> uh, and was feeling really good about it with about six minutes ago. Texas was up 31-17. Um, but, man, Texas Tech, just, Texas Tech just kept plugging away. Man, they, they converted, what, a handful of fourth downs, it felt like. I think they literally ran 100 plays. Um, and you could tell yeah. it was just a toll that that took. You know, it was hot out there. It's hot, Texas yeah. was gassed by the end of the game. Um, and ended up going to overtime kind of, kind of crazy that it went to overtime. Texas tech kicked a field goal with what, like 35, 40 seconds left. Maybe not even 30 might've been like 25 seconds left. Texas somehow picks up like 50 yards and two plays and kicks a field goal as time expires and send it to overtime. Um, but then botched the field goal in overtime. So Texas tech could just kind of go down and kind of put the ball where they wanted it and kick the game winner. Um, so great win for Joey McGuire. Big, big signature win early in the tenure there. Like we said, you know, you don't want to, if you don't want to be your rival, you should quit losing to him. So Texas, yeah. Texas kind of still just doing Texas shit. 
And Texas is good at blowing those like multiple possession second half leads. Uh, that's been a, a theme for the last year or two. Um, but yeah, huge win for McGuire and Texas Tech. I mean, uh, the, we were talking the preseason poll and then Big 12. Kansas was definitively 10th um, or 4-0. Texas Tech was definitively 9th. And they take down Texas in the first game of the conference play for them. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, like you said, so hot that the the play clock was malfunctioning because it was overheated. Uh, I thought it was a funny note. And then you run 100 offensive plays on Texas. Um, I wonder how much fatigue or, you know, sort of hangover comes from that game. You lose uh, a long overtime, hot, uh, probably pretty annoying game. And then, you know, how much hangover does that hold for Texas next week? But, um, yeah, huge win for the Tech program. Yep, and then that takes us to the uh, the I guess probably the biggest result of the night, right? Um, <clears throat> so you had Kansas State going into Norman and knocking off the Oklahoma Sooners and just absolutely carving up the Brent Venables, the vaunted Brent Venables defense. Mm-hmm. Um, Adrian Martinez played the game of his life. Had I think ran the ball twenty sometimes for. 100 and 125, 130 yards and four touchdowns. And, you know, Colin Klein's the offensive coordinator. It just looked like just look, he's like playing himself in the video game, right? Like he's just like, <laughs> yeah, I, I know how to do this. So just calling that quarterback run. Um, and I thought super impressively what it was 35. It was a one score game, 35, 27, 28, maybe with about six minutes to go. And Kansas State just drove the ball right down the field and shoved it down their throat to go up by two scores with with like a minute and a half to go. Um so really yeah. just, you know, cram it down their cram hole a little bit. Um, that was, that was, yeah, actually, I think the only quarterback I'd take over Jalen Daniels is uh, Adrian Martinez in that game because he looked that specific like, version. Yeah. Like a weapon, 150 yards on the ground. Um, he's throwing the ball. Well, yeah, that they had third and 17, Oklahoma could get him off the field and go down and tie it third and 17 and Martinez scrambles and, you know, picks up like 50 yards and ices it and this was a great game um i'm not sure who this says more about because kansas state lost to tulane last week and then go beat oklahoma in norman um so i don't know <laughs> kansas state I, they, they are that program that always loses the stupid early season game though right um so well, they I don't always know. beat oklahoma dude i think they yeah. they beat them three out of the last four so it's yeah just they, like I know. I was watching it last night in the fourth quarter. I'm like, I feel like I've seen this game like multiple times. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah. So Kansas State, I don't know if this is like Kansas State is dangerous or like they have upside of being very dangerous and Oklahoma is not good. I, I'm not sure what this is. This conference is wide open, man. Texas is in Oklahoma. SEC 0-2 in Big 12 conference play. Huge. Um, it's, Love it. It's fun. This is going to be a you know, great conference here. Oklahoma State was the only team out this week. And uh, I don't know if they feel like they got the inside track just because they didn't play this week because you know, it's just kind of chaotic. For sure. Yeah, I know. I think we were, we were kind of talking before. And uh, I think before before the season in our inaugural pod- podcast, we, we kind of tiered the Big 12. And I think we had four or five. But I think it's, it is really just there's one tier, man. There's just 10 teams. And um, every single, every single, yeah. I mean, like every single game's a coin flip, right? Like, I don't feel like there's an unwinnable game on our schedule, but we might literally lose seven of the next eight. Yeah. I, I literally have no idea. Um, so yeah, no, it's, I mean, you know, if you like parody, come see us on Saturday, man, because the, this is where it is. You know, you look at some of these other conferences and you have Minnesota just absolutely stepping on Michigan state's throat and Ohio state beats Wisconsin by a thousand points. And then, you know, 
Georgia kind of struggles with Kent State. I think they're just kind of asleep at the wheel. But, you mm-hmm. know, Alabama beats Vanderbilt by 100. Um, and you, you just look around and it just – some of these other conferences feel so top-heavy. And and then you watch the Big 12 and literally any team, any any given weekend uh, can, can beat anybody else, which is – it's going to make for a fucking super fun, chaotic year. I can't wait. Yeah, and, you know, I think we all as West Virginia fans probably p- would prefer if we were in the ACC or like in an Eastern, you know – regional schedule situation but i will i will show a little big 12 pride beating the two teams that are leaving the conference is awesome and also the conference just like pretty thoroughly west virginia you know maybe in the middle to we you know their preseason bottom part of the conference taking vt down decisively kansas was projected the worst team in the conference taking down duke you know like the the big 12's like really been holding its own this year it's it's cool to see that it's so deep. It reminds me of the big 12 basketball where it's like every team is good. You do not get a night off. Uh, you do not get a week off in this conference. I feel like this year there, there is no freebie that I'm seeing. There's not an easy game. hundred percent. So, all right, let's, let's, uh, let's do a little precap. Then we're talking about all this parody. Let's talk about some of it. So I think the, 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 the first, uh, first kickoff, Texas tech, Kansas state, your reward for beating, uh, the, the two SEC, SEC schools is, is an 11 AM local kickoff. So you're, you're very welcome. Thank you guys for your service. Um, looking at this looks like, so it's at Kansas state at Bill Snyder family Memorial stadium, 11 AM kickoff, Kansas state, seven and a half point favorites on FanDuel right now. What do you, uh, what do you think about that one? Yeah, I think Kansas State is definitely going to be the favorite here. I mean, like I said, don't forget that Texas Tech was was preseason decisively ninth in this conference. Um, I think some of that's talent, new coaching staff. Uh, if Texas Tech goes in to Manhattan and wins, we have to take Texas Tech seriously now. But yeah, I think you got a favorite Kansas State um, in this situation. For sure, man. If if you get anything approaching uh, the version of Adrian Martinez uh, that that you got on Saturday night, then Kansas State's going to be favored in a lot of games for the rest of the year. Um, yep. And we'll just we'll just leave it at that. Uh, so the other the other twelve p.m. Actually, no, sorry. Oh yeah, no. So yeah, just the other the other twelve p.m. kickoff. Oklahoma licking wounds, heading to Fort Worth to take on TCU. Um, Oklahoma five and a half point favorites. I think this is kind of one where, yeah, we're going to, I mean, it, you know, we're going to be saying this every week. We're going to find out a lot about both teams, right? Cause I, I really, I don't feel like, you know, TCU is sitting at three and out. They haven't really played anybody. Um, I think SMU is probably the best team that they played. And then you have Oklahoma who probably hadn't played anybody and kind of got, got their shit pushed in a little bit on Saturday by Kansas state. So, um, you know, was, was Saturday an aberration for Oklahoma is TCU for real? Um, I don't know. What do you, what do you think there? I think this is a good stress test of the Oklahoma defense because TCU can score and move the ball. Yep. Um, so you think Venables is going to be tightening things up this week. And if TCU goes out there and hangs 40 some points on them, then I would have major concerns about Oklahoma. Um, not that TCU wasn't going to do that to teams, but you would think you're going to get like a peak prepared, ready Oklahoma coming off what just happened. Um, yeah, five points. I mean, that's a lot of respect to TCU, to be honest. I mean, Oklahoma was number six just yesterday. So. Uh, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think I think Brent Venables might find out that that maybe it's easier to field really good defenses. And I'm not going to. This is going to come off as dickish. Uh, when when you don't have you know by far the best recruits in the entire conference, like when you don't have a top three recruiting class for a decade straight at Clemson, like you do at Clemson. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how he adjusts here. You know, I'm sure he'll get his guys in and he'll get it sorted out. 
but uh, maybe some maybe some growing pains as you know you're not playing you're not playing Georgia Tech you're not playing Duke every week. So. 60, 67 and a half point is the over under. That's over really under there. Yeah. That's, Venables has not played in many games that that's the over under. No, no, no. Um, all right. So then we have Saturday, 3.30, the mid-afternoon kick. Uh, we have Oklahoma State at Baylor. I think this is going to be a really good one. Yeah, this is the unofficial game. I mean, it, it's not actually because... Kansas State and Texas Tech are also both want to know, but I feel like Oklahoma State Baylor is the game that is like, all right, who's got the inside line in this conference? Uh, both, uh, you know, ranked in the top sixteen in Waco. It's a, you know, I'm seeing two point line. I mean, this is basically a push. I was not overly impressed by Baylor, but Oklahoma State really hasn't been tested, so uh, I'll definitely be be keeping eyes on this one. Yeah, that's I'm going to kind of use this uh the Baylor Iowa State game last weekend as is my barometer because I wasn't I wasn't super impressed by them either. I actually haven't gotten eyes on Oklahoma State um yet this year aside from highlights, you know, I've just kind of watched them scoring lots of touchdowns on people in in very short clips. Um but yeah, Baylor one and a half point favorites. I know you get 3 for home field, so I guess you could argue that that they think Oklahoma State might be a point and a half better. Um but yeah, definitely going to definitely going to be watching that one with some interest. Mhm. And then we have the West Virginia Mountaineers traveling to DKR to play the Texas Longhorns. Prime time. It's uh, prime time. <laughs> almost surprising that was the prime time game from the the slate. But I wonder if they if they made that call at like six o'clock Saturday afternoon, where it's like we've beaten Virginia Tech soundly. Texas is up 31-17 on Texas Tech and they're like, "Yeah, sure, give them that 6:30, give them that 6:30 central slot." <laughs> Just, you know, this is the game right here. Um and then Texas uh pooped all over their leg. Um but yeah, so interesting, lots of uh lots of respect for Texas here. Um opened at 11 points in in certain uh certain places. Um I'm seeing eight and a half point favorites. Texas is eight and a half point favorites on FanDuel. I know Caesars opened it at 10. Um, lots of respect. Uh, what are your, what are your initial thoughts on, on that number? Yeah, I was very surprised to see the number. Uh, Texas did not receive a vote in the AP poll, not a single vote. So they're like, you know, in the AP poll's mind, comfortably outside the top 30. And that is, uh, inclusive of their name being Texas. So, uh, West Virginia obviously has had two good weeks now. Texas coming off a loss to Texas Tech, a team that they kind of little brother pretty often. So, um, I was pretty surprised to see this line being this steep. Um, also, over under is 62. Um, no. I, I don't know. I felt like that's a little bit low to me. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, this is a huge game for both programs. So West Virginia, you're probably well aware of the situation. You know, Neil Brown's trying to right the ship. We're trying to get this thing on the rails. Texas just lost to Texas Tech. Um, they're, they're, they're back on their usual stuff. And uh, Texas you know, is back. And by just, back, I mean back to losing shitty games that they shouldn't, and they're sitting at two and two and not ranked. Yeah, Sark has a losing. I'm pretty sure he's 500 or has a one game losing record at Texas after that Tech game. Um, so like, yes, yeah, Sark has got to be. You know, people have got to be getting pissed at Sark. And um, just fast forwarding, obviously, when West Virginia wins this game, can you imagine what the Texas faithful are going to be saying about two and three Texas when I think they were the Vegas favorite at least to make it to Arlington. Um, you know, this yeah. is losing a night game at DKR is going to be uh, 
quite rough for Sark to answer those questions, but um, yeah, this is a big matchup because both teams, both coaches need this one. Both fan bases need this one. And whoever loses this game, it's going to be, it's not going to be fun. Um, there's going to be questions to answer after this game. It's going to be, a, it's going to be a long, uh, yeah, week and a half. If we, if we, if we go down there and lay an egg, it's going to be a long week and a half until, until Baylor. Um, on the other side of things, if we go down there and fucking put it on them, Morgantown is literally going to be on fire on uh, on October 13th. Uh, <laughs> oh you, you know, so so that's kind of what's at stake here, man. You can make the SEC bound Texas Longhorns 0-2, 0-2 start in the conference. It would secure an you know, the series lead for us. So I think we're we're up 6 to 5 right now on them right now. That would make it 7 and 5 and you know, who knows this could be the last time that we play them, right? So yeah. um I think very, very likely it will be the last time that we play them. So, you know, send them, send them packing with a little taste of Mountaineer in their mouths. And, uh, yeah, I mean, sounds good to me. I don't, I, dude, I, you know, they, they moved up into the polls after they lose to Alabama in a close game. And I literally, you know, it was the worst game that I've watched Alabama play, um, you know, in recent memory and Alabama had, you know, 15 to 20 penalties, 150 to 200 penalty yards. Um, and, and still, beat texas at home you know i don't i didn't understand why they were getting so much love after that game um i I certainly wasn't buying in um you know i I obviously watched all the texas tech game over the weekend and they look like the same old texas to me so um yeah. yeah i think that texas has that thing where it's just like they in a way are finding ways to lose games they've lost multi like i think four or five games in the last two seasons where they were up two scores or more um, you know, they're finding ways to lose games and, but, but the, you know, the sentiment remains like they are generally the more talented team, like in terms of talent, skill of the recruits for sure, the players, um, you know, so I, I don't know what the missing link is there, but, um, you have to think you're getting Texas's best shot this week because, you know, like I said, coming off the Texas tech loss, you know, they're going to be mad, ready to get back, obviously just played a hundred snaps on defense, um, in a long, hot game, but, um, advantage West Virginia, at least in the, um, 10 days off to prepare 10 days off to rest, uh, in Texas, I mean, it's not a short week. It's just a normal length week, but coming with all those. So, you know, you hope that West Virginia is ready to go in and there and throw a strong, heavy first punch, um, and, and, and get this thing going. Cause like I said, big game, um, for both coaches, both fan bases. And I got to ask you, so like, I know that Will Greer has, you know, kind of made the the horns down a, a beautiful thing that is always going to be in college football history. Do you feel like all these random schools throw horns down now? And I'm not going to pretend like we're the first school to do it, but do you think we were one of the reasons that it got like kind of widespread? Yeah, I think that was like, that was an iconic moment. We've kind of talked about it. That was an iconic moment in college football that season. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it was an awesome game at DKR to good teams you know we were we were good that year will greer was a high profile dude who was getting some uh you know i don't know about he was in the heisman conversation right i don't know if he was ever going to be a finalist but he was one of the 10 dudes who was being talked about in october um and you know if you know some of the games down the stretch go a little differently maybe he does get an invite who knows um but yeah for for it to happen in such a dramatic way you have the just the gus johnson call and then you have the Dana, you know, you want to go f- win the fucking game? Let's go win the fucking game. You know, it was just <laughs> yeah. super internet content for the social media world. Um, and I think the fact that that was kind of when they started making a big deal about you can't do it as well. well like well, I'm Sills never did remember- it. 
Stills did it earlier in the game and got 15, right. and he was, I'm pretty sure, the first person to ever get the 15. That's what I was going to say, yeah. It. Is that's uh, when they kind of started making a big deal about you can't do it, and the fact that we, like, stuffed it down their throats, won the game the way we did, and then, like, did it on the way out of the stadium, I think, kind of immortalized it. Yeah, that was like the the big dick energy West Virginia moment of the last 10 years of like, okay, we're going to take 30 yards of penalties just so we can do it anyway, because like (laughs) we're coming, we're coming in here to take your lunch and like, that's what we're going to do. Yeah, we need that swagger. I mean, that's what we got to go and do, you know, this weekend. So that's Um, it. If we take, if we take 15 this weekend for it, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Oh yeah. No, for sure. As long as it's not on like a third down stop, you know, (laughs) let it be the game winning touchdown. Do it after the uh, game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, after after we're up three scores and they, you know, they they fail to convert fourth down with like a minute and a half to go in the game, then we can start, you know, just like the whole stadium. Yeah, um, I, I fully support that for sure. All right, cool. should we should we uh, let's uh, let's dive into a little little preview here? Yeah, let's talk Texas. All right, so let's start. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball here. Um, Texas Texas has been good offensively, man. I mean, kind of, you know. How could you expect them not to be right? The the, the individual skill talent is insane, um, and you know we've we've kind of been joking about them underwhelming underwhelming this year, and the, and they have right. They're they're two and two. That's not not great for the level of talent. But nineteenth in beta rank offense, um, very strong numbers all the way across the board. I think we were kind of talking before the 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 show. The one real weakness, um, which is a bit surprising, has been has been the offensive line, and in particular the run blocking. Um, right now they're they're fifty seventh on PFF out of uh, sixty five um, power five teams in, in run block grade, so not very good there. A um, little bit better in pass blocking, you know, kind of middle of the road, but still not great. So I don't know what what's your uh, what's your kind of initial initial take on the the Texas offense. Yes, I mean I watched them play Bama, and I watched a little bit of the game this weekend, and. Yeah, it's interesting how all of these different models um, are kind of giving all the credit to these running backs. They have some good ones. Um, I mean, it's no, no yeah. doubt there. So, um, But yeah, the offensive line has kind of struggled. And then you have the whole other wrinkle of, um, we, I mean, I, we just still don't know who's playing quarterback this weekend. You have Hudson Card, who um, he's no slouch. He was like the best or, or one of the best quarterbacks in his class. Um, and then you also have Quinn Ewers, who was also number one in his class. He was um, the best, and, yeah. Yeah, he definitely was the best, I think. And, um, you know, Ewers is hurt. We don't know if he's coming back. He was playing really well until he got hurt, but he has very limited snaps. This is his first season playing. He got hurt versus Bama, and, you know, Texas fans would tell you that they were winning that game if he doesn't go down. Um, Hudson Cards looked fine this year. I, you know, I, I don't think he is uh, – he's not a bad quarterback by any means. He's going to be able to find guys and, and be a threat. So – yeah, I think the, uh, the at least looking at the Texas offense, the skill guys are phenomenal. Um, you know, maybe the quarterback and the offensive line are. We don't know what we're getting with the, even with the what quarterback's going to play, and the offensive line seems to have been a little shakier. Yeah, I think the 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 main difference that I've kind of seen uh, card card is probably going to be a little bit better uh, with his legs. Uh, not to say that Ewers can't. Ewers definitely has you know that that kind of playmaker. Um, you know, scrambling ability where he'll move around and make plays. Cards, cards, actually a guy who's going to take off. Um, not really a design threat, but I think he'll get out and throw or get out and run a little bit um, if there's if there's lanes. I think we even saw him do it a little bit against Tech. Um, but I think w- what Ewers brings him is definitely a little bit more of a gunslinger mentality. Um, if you just look at the numbers, you know, I think ten yards per attempt for Ewers to to seven point four for Card. 
over 11, uh, over 11 yards, uh, average depth of target for Ewers, um, a little bit higher completion percentage. So he's definitely, you know, he's a guy who's going to give them the ability, I think, to push the ball down the field a little bit more, which obviously, you know, considering the way our secondary is kind of played through, through four weeks, I think it's concerning if he's back, but I mean, the reason he's been out is because he had a sprained, sprained, uh, AC joint in, in his throwing shoulder. So, you know, who knows even if he plays and he was, he was suited up last week, didn't end up playing. Um, but who knows if he's going to be the guy that he was for that first quarter against Alabama or not. Right. So yeah. um, definitely the first question mark is, uh, is, is who's playing quarterback though. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure, I think Sark has done some things already this year that would allude to, you're not going to know until game day. Uh, yeah. I think he's like not putting out a depth chart this year. Yep. <laughs> so. I don't know what the hell is going on, but he's, yeah, we, we don't know who's going to play until they come out on their first series. So, um, yeah. So do you want to get into our uh, offensive guys to, to watch here? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, let's do it. Right. Cool. So my number one guy, and if anyone else in the country was doing this exercise, uh, their number one guy also would be Bijan Robinson, number five. You might've heard of him if you've watched some college football. Um, he is a monster. There are lots of just, kind of insane stats you can throw out about him if you watch him on tape he is also incredibly fun and uh just yeah he's a solid back so um they've played four games this year other other than the bama game uh if you exclude those numbers he's averaged over eight yards a carry um so just been effortless seven touchdowns he averages over five almost five yards after contact per attempt per attempt that that's pretty insane um yeah he's gonna get 20 plus touches they they find the way find ways to get him the ball in space passing game running game um yeah so i mean I, he's already had eight rushes this year over 15 yards it, it's 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 probably going to be a different deal than versus virginia tech i mean you hope that uh there's some meat in the middle there but i don't think we're going to hold him under uh 30 some yards for the whole game no 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 he's he, dude he's the he's the best running back in the country uh for for my money um, you know, we kind of talked about they've really struggled with their run blocking and he's still putting up the numbers that we're, that we're talking about. Right. And even with that Bama game, it's still 6.1 yards per carry. Um, 34 missed tackles forced, uh, leads the country. Uh, I kind of talked about in our preseason deep dive, you know, this is arguably the hardest dude to tackle in the PFF era since they've been t- tracking missed tackles forced. So last year, um, he was averaging, uh, 0.41, uh, missed tackles forced per, per rushing attempt. Um, which was the fourth best number since 2014. This year he has 34 in 67 carries, so he's at .51 in, in 2022, which is just absolutely fucking outrageous, you know. And he's a, he's a big dude. He's fast, um, has great balance. You know, he has all the running back superlatives that you can throw at a at a running back, right? Um, do you know actually? So uh, trivia question: So 4.9 yards uh, yards after contact on average. Do you know who? That is second to in the Big Twelve. In the Big Twelve, oh, that is this current or all all since twenty fourteen? Uh, th- this year, hmm. I don't know if Deuce Vaughn would be getting that much after contact. I might have to go CJ Donaldson. It's CJ Donaldson, That's our awesome. our very own, yeah. So CJ is averaging five point three five yards after contact, um, which you know is buoyed by breaking a tackle at the line of scrimmage and then picking up forty yards. But so is so is Bijan's right. So. Um, yeah. So yeah, very impressive. But yeah, no, I mean the uh so the one thing I we we should call out, they Roshan Johnson is almost as good as Bijan. Um if you look at the numbers, if you watch the tape, he's not quite as shifty. I don't think he's quite as hard to tackle. But 
53 missed tackles forced between those two guys and 97 attempts this year, which is just, you know, fucking outrageous. So yeah, that's filthy. Big point of emphasis uh, this week, swarm to the ball, tackle with your shoulder, get these dudes down because arms, arms are not going to do it this weekend. Yeah, no, I have Roshan Johnson as my other one of my other guys to watch on offense. And yeah, same thing. Like he's he's halfback two. He's halfback one at like 94 percent of places around the country. Yeah, um, great back. And yeah, the, the one two punch is just insane. There's, there's some tough guys to, to bring down. Yep. Yep. They'll 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 throw them both out there every now and then, um, you know, kind of to their downfall. They, they tried a little wildcat uh, wildcat join on a fourth down late in the game against Texas Tech um, last weekend. Did not work out. Um, but generally, yeah, I mean, these guys, you know, there's, there's not five better backfields in America and I don't think there's any running back, any single running back better than Bijan. So, um, yeah, going to have to watch them, man. They throw them both the ball. It's going to be, it's going to be a good test for us. Yeah, for sure. going to be a big, big test coming off such a great performance in the run game. Um, so I got, I got Bijan and Roshan as my one and two, who are your offensive guys to look at here? Uh, so, so my second one, uh, Xavier Worthy, um, which, you know, I think you kind of made the joke. If you ask other people around the country, I think he'd be their second one for, for most folks. Um, guy had a ridiculous year as a freshman last year. Actually, he's been a little bit underwhelming, uh, so far, so far this year relative to, you know, kind of the hype and, and the level of talent that he has, um, only has 28 targets last year, last or sorry, 28 targets this year. Last year he had like 100, 100 plus and was by far their most targeted receiver. They're actually spreading it around a little bit more this year, which probably makes their passing game better, but has hurt his numbers. Um, weird thing, he's only caught 14 of them. So he's only, you know, it's only a 50% completion rate when, when they're targeting him this year. Um, and you wonder if that's something that maybe with, he's, he's a little bit, you know, he's, he's a fast guy and he can kind of do a little bit of everything, but really he's, he's an explode. He's a downfield playmaker. Right. And so you wonder if maybe that's somewhere where Hudson card being in there instead of Quinn Ewers has has maybe cost a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of suffrage, a little bit of regression. Um, super dangerous after the catch, really small guy. I mean, if you're going to throw a red flag, he only weighs 160 pounds. He's six one. So super skinny. Wow. So maybe you can get a little bit physical with him, but, um, clearly hasn't hurt him too much through, through a year and, and four games in the big 12. So, um, yeah, so he's, he's my second guy. Yeah. I mean, he's top tier talent for sure. Um, yeah. So my, my third guy is kind of a compliment to him and that's Jordan Winnington who, you know, I think he's definitely the second option to, to worthy, but you know, being the second or third option on a team that has such a dominant first option can sometimes be a nice spot to be in. Um, you're not going to get the, the toughest matchup. Uh, what I liked about Whittington's numbers this year, he's been pretty efficient. He's caught 18 of the 24 balls thrown his way. Um, so picking up 75% of his targets is, is pretty solid. Um, and also what's interesting about him is he lines up in the slot this year. He's lined up in the slot about two thirds of the time and then out wide about the other third. So especially lining up in the slot, I do worry a little bit that he might be able to find a favorable matchup. Um, you know, not going to be attracting one of the top corners or, um, you know, might, might find some gaps down the middle. So uh, Winnington is worthy and you have Robinson and, um, Johnson are quite the one, two punch at both, you know, running back and receivers it's, they got talent all over the field. Yeah. It's an embarrassment of riches, man. Um, yeah. Watching that Texas tech game, he's, he's kind of, it seems like he and he and card have some rapport, right? Like, you know, card looks at him, he catches the ball. Um, they ran like a little, you know, seven, eight, 
you know, like a little stick route basically on the outside, um, handful of times and Whittington caught all of them. Um, and obviously that's something Kansas murdered us with that. And so, you know, I wonder, um, that's, that's, that's somewhere where I'd kind of, you know, throw up a red flag for our defensive backs this weekend. Um, you know, watch, watch that play. Uh, cause we've, we've given it up. We've, we've given that play up a lot so far this year. And, and if it's there, they're, they're definitely going to take it. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, like I said, you said, it's an embarrassment of riches. The, the skill guys are what's worrying me about this Texas team. You know, I feel like we might be able to hold our own or control the line of scrimmage with our defensive line, defensive front. But um, yeah, just controlling all these dudes. I mean, you have to have a lot of guys to to cover all the weapons they have. Um, do you have a, a third guy on offense? Yeah, I do. Um, so I put uh, Calvin Banks. Um, so he's their left tackle. He's a true freshman. He was a five-star. I think he might have been the top-rated tackle in last year's class. Um, spent most of the uh, summer and fall as number two on the depth chart, but little injury, I think, the week before the season or maybe the first week of the season has thrust him into uh, thrust him into action, and he's responded. He has the highest pass block grade in the Big 12. Um, he's only given up four pressures on 127 opportunities, um, no hits, no sacks. Um, so has been <laughs> every bit the five-star tackle that you would expect him to be. He's, he struggled a little bit in the run game, which is something that you maybe expect as well. Um, I know you always hear our coaches kind of harp on, you know, offensive linemen need a year to get strong enough to actually really kind of, you know, physically be able to compete. But in terms of, you know, having the athleticism, having the, having the technique to stop people off the edge, he's been, He's been uh, outstanding, um, so I wanted to wanted to highlight him just because I know we we've said their their offensive line has struggled, and actually he's not even grading out all that well because uh, his run block his run block his run block grade is um, pretty poor. Um, but yeah, I, I thought he's kind of been a standout performer up there. So, and he's yeah. a true freshman. Yeah, that's that's the thing with you know some of these top schools getting their recruits in it's like yeah you have guys coming in at 17 18 years old who are like ready to play because you're getting the pick of the country so um yeah so so my matchup to look at when uh texas has the ball so my my matchup i picked was the west virginia just tackling versus texas ball carriers so that can be anybody um but West Virginia right now is 28th in the nation in tackling per PFF. So, I mean, that's in the top quarter, top uh, fifth, really. That's pretty solid. Um, I I say only 30 missed tackles. That's really not that bad for four games. 30 missed tackles this year. For reference, Texas has had 52 um, missed tackles on their defense. So, you know, we've been solid at wrapping up the ball carrier so far. Um, This is the test. I mean, you laid out some great stats about Bijan. These guys are going to make plays if we think that their offensive line is eh, is average or whatever. You know, if you get Koba coming through the gap and it's Koba versus Bijan, you got to wrap him up because if you don't, he's going for 40. You know, that's that's really where it is. So I think understanding they're going to make plays and just limiting them, making sure that we're, you know, making the tackles or making most of the tackles that we need to. That is what I am am worried about is, is not wrapping these guys up. Yeah, man. I think my mine is uh, mine's gonna compliment my mine's just gonna be a compliment to this um, with some additional offensive line uh, notes here. Um, so another true freshman, Cole Hudson, starting guard, Hayden Connor, uh, starting left guard. They're actually the two lowest graded guards in the entire Big Twelve right now. Um, 
And then you look at the center, Jake Majors, who experienced, he's a returning starter. He's grading out as the eighth best center out of, out of 10 uh, centers in the big 12 who have played like, you know, over 50% of their team snaps or whatever, whatever cutoff I put in there qualifying big 12 centers. So, you know, the interior of the offensive line is on paper as weak as there is in the conference, right? Um, we kind of talked about when we were going back through the Virginia Tech game, Dante Stills, Jordan Jefferson, those guys have really dominated the line of scrimmage this year, um, especially over the last couple games. Jefferson in particular has has really come on. Um, Texas is an outside zone team. That's, that's what they are. They're going to run stretch plays uh, for the most part. They'll throw in a counter every now and then, but they're going to run a lot of stretch plays. Um, we have to blow up the inside of the line. Like, because so zone is going to be Bijan down the line until he sees a crease and then he's going to hit it and get whatever he can. Um, or he's just going to get around the corner. We have to like, there can't be any cutback lanes. We have to blow up the inside of their line, stretch them out, swarm to the ball, get them on the ground. Um, that's, that's, that's what I see kind of as the key. So like you said, our, you know, our tackling is going to be crucial. I think winning that interior of the offensive line so that there's no, there's no bounce back. There's no cutback. Uh, lanes, lanes for those guys. Cause if there are, if they're there, they're going to find them. They're, they're, they're too fucking good. They're really, they're really, really good. Um, so we just have to absolutely decimate the interior of that offensive line. Um, and I, you know, I think, I think we have the guys to do it. So I yeah, I mean, that's the key. coming off a big confidence building weekend, doing that against Virginia tech. I mean, there was no room to run, um, for the Hokies. So yeah, I mean, we've proven it can be done on probably on a lesser opponent. This is the test. I mean, this is the, like us. I, I think we're both saying this is um, they will make you pay. Little mistakes, uh, you get Bajan and an arm tackle, and he turns it into fifty. Um, and that's just what this team is do. So, yeah, I think that's a, a pretty good summation in the offense. So, um, I guess flipping the field now to the Texas defense. You know, last year the Texas defense was kind of suspect, um, and, and you know, I think there were definitely some holes in this defense. They just let up 37 to Texas Tech. I don't think we know what that means yet. Um, you know, for for this Texas Tech team, you know, over the season, I, I think they're they're an improved offensive team. So, you know, they but they only scored 14 versus NC State. Um, so, you know, only giving get, getting 37 up on this Texas defense is, seems like a lot to me. Um, but they've been good in the pass and the run. But specifically, I think the, the strength of their defense seems to be the, the front to me. Like, the pass rush is really solid. Um, so, yeah, anything you want to add on the, the defense here? No, I mean, when we, so when we talked about them in the offseason, we were like, who, who are the playmakers? You know, you need, you need some guys to step up. We had, they had guys who had graded out well, guys who had, who had made some plays. But um, I think they only had a handful of guys who had double-digit pressures last year. Well, through four games, they already have a handful of guys who have double-digit pressures this year. So, yeah. you know, I don't know. Again, um, there's not a great way to compare across teams, but they have 120 pressures this year uh, through four games, which is outrageous. Um, 44 against Texas Tech last week. And th- so the notable thing, 44 pressures, only one sack. That's um, and, and that feels kind of like a recurring theme. I looked it up. They're only averaging two sacks a game, which is like middle of the road in FBS. So they're generating a ton of pressure, but they're not really paying it off at this point. Um, but, I mean, dude, they're, they're getting after people. Um, you mentioned the defensive front. Nine of their top 15 graded players on PFF are defensive linemen, either interior or edge guys. So, um, you know, it, yeah. <laughs> it must have been a point of emphasis in the offseason because it, it was not a strength last year, and it certainly has been so far this year. 
Yeah, and I, I like that point too because you said nine of the fifteen. That's a good uh, demonstration of their depth. When I looked at their defensive yeah. kind of grades, like they just got so many guys playing, um, and most of them pretty well. So, yeah, I mean, I think the front is solid. They got guys they can get in there and keep cycling, put the the second line in, and it's still pretty solid guys. So, um, yeah. Th- so the first guy when Texas is on defense, I wanted to highlight was Keandre Coburn. He's ninety nine. Uh, Big old guys, three forty three, six foot two. Um, so he's going to either he's either going to be like the nose or or one of the defensive tackles. Um, and yeah, lining up in the interior, he has fifteen pressures and only seventy five attempts. Like I said, he lines up on the interior, so he's on, per one in five times he is getting to the quarterback for a pressure. Um, you know when there's a pass rush situation, so. Pretty outstanding, especially from the interior. But and there's a couple guys you could you could uh, highlight. I just picked Coburn, so um, yeah, kind of a scary defensive front. Yeah, he's who I wrote down as well. Um, 15 pressures. He's the highest graded defender in the Big 12. I think his PFF grade through four weeks is an 87.3, which is crazy. But yeah, let's just uh, let's just run through so that we're not just kind of talking about one guy. They have Tavondre Sweat. So Coburn is going to play the nose. They they run a three man front the same way we do. So Coburn's going to be their true nose. Um, sweat is going to be the three technique. He's grading out at an 82.8 right now. He has eight pressures himself. Um, they have Byron Murphy, who is an interior pass rusher who has 123 snaps grading out at a 73.9. He has five pressures. Moro Ojomo is the interior defensive, uh, lineman who has eight pressures. Then they have edge dudes. They have, uh, Baron Sorrell who has 16 pressures. They have Ovio Gufo who has 16 pressures. Um, I mean, you know, it's just they're coming at you in waves this year. Vernon Broughton has nine pressures, another interior defensive lineman. So, you know, they're really just <laughs> they're really just uh, turning the dogs loose on people this year up front and so far have have had some pretty good success. Um, you know, I mentioned 44, uh, 44 against Texas Tech last weekend. That definitely uh, swells your numbers a little bit up to 140. But they did have the most in the Big 12 before last weekend as well because um, I, had, I had checked to compare against Virginia Tech. And so, you know, it's not just something that's – it's it's not a one-week wonder. It's something they did against Alabama. It's something they, they did against UTSA. Um, so, no, it's – I mean, it's it's a strength. They're, they're good up front this year. Yeah, and I feel like we had a similar conversation about Virginia Tech, but, you know, what that sort of means for the offense is, you know, you may have to find creative ways to get the ball out to get your guys, you know, the ball in space. Um, if that's bubble screens, if that's, you know, getting the ball, you know, like on a toss play, maybe having some trick plays. Obviously, screens always work great for, you know, teams that love to pressure. So, um, yeah, it's it, I, I, I'm kind of starting to think this is a better defensive front than Virginia Tech because I think Virginia Tech was a little underwhelming for what we read and heard. Um, I think they're they're definitely deeper and they're bigger. That's that's actually the other interesting thing you mentioned. Uh, Coburn's three forty three. Um, two or three of the other interior dudes that I mentioned are three hundred plus, and so that'll be a little bit of a change up. So we played two. You know, Virginia Tech repeatedly a good defensive front, but their dudes were 280, 285. Same thing with Pitts, who you know their defensive front is awesome, uh, but they're they're light. They're you know they're going more for like that Aaron Donald type two eighty five, two ninety quicker really just shoot gaps and, and get in there and wreak havoc. So it'll be a little bit of a different challenge for us this week, um, having some some big old hog mollies, some big old war daddies in there that we have to move out of the way. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a very good point. Um, so, so on the defensive side, just kind of changing it up a little bit. So my other guy to look out for here, I have Ryan Watts. Um, he's number six. He's a cornerback. 
kind of their, their top cornerback. So he was a transfer from Ohio State. And, um, you know, I think they've definitely benefited from the pass rush, but the, the coverage side of things has not been as dominant as the as the, the front has been. So Ryan Watts has played pretty solid this year, but I imagine he's going to be the matchup for Bryce Ford Wheaton. He might be a, a pretty decent matchup for him. He's six foot three. He's a big dude. Uh, yeah. So that's, you know, I feel like Bryce Ford Wheaton really can have the size on some guys, but six foot three. So he's not really going to have a great height advantage. Um, he's been targeted f- 14 times this year and allowed eight catches. So um, he's going to be, you know, I think, can he limit Bryce Ford Wheaton? And like I said, I think the size is important because um, in a sense, you, you know, I, maybe that fade play you get in the red zone doesn't work as well. I don't like the fade, but with Bryce Ford Wheaton on a shorter guy, I like the fade. Um, so I don't know. That might be maybe you take that play out of the, the playbook for this week. Yeah, I saw he was uh, so he was matched up on the they had him on Mason Tharp and uh, Baylor Cup. So the Texas Tech tight ends last week, who I think I think uh, Tharp goes six nine and and Baylor Cups like six 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 seven. So Ryan Watts can handle himself against the bigger receiver. I think you know I saw him knock a couple of balls away. Um, so definitely a good call. You know, he uh, he and uh, Jameson, I think they, they have a couple corners who they're not playing great, but they're they're solid. Right. Like they're they're grading out well. They're what you say? Eight of 14. So, I mean, that's you know, that's acceptable. That's an acceptable mm-hmm. completion percentage. Um, so, yeah, no, definitely a good call. Um, I wanted my, so my second guy and I wanted to, to give credit where it's due a little bit here, but DeMarvian Overshone. Um, so he was a dude who, uh, was selected first team all conference in the off season. We both kind of scoffed at that cause he was one of the, like the five worst graded linebackers in the big 12 last year. Um, but through four games, he's actually played, uh, played really well. You know, he's, he's been productive. He has eight pressures. He has 29 tackles, 15 stops. Um, I think he only had 18 stops through all of last season. So definitely really good there. Um, his missed tackle percentage was down from like 21. He's only missing 9% of his tackles so far this year. So, cleaned that up. He was allowing 89% completions last year, only 63% this year. So really seems like he's maybe starting to put it together. The dude's a ridiculous athlete. He's like 6'4", 230, um, can run with anybody, uh, you know, but really just maybe wasn't that good of a linebacker. It seems like maybe he's kind of turned the corner this year. So I wanted to to call him out. He's number zero uh, for them. He's going to be in the middle of the defense, going to be heavily involved this weekend. Yeah, we. I know we did kind of give him a little – um, a little scoff about that. It took, took like a five minute shit break on him. <laughs> yeah, but no, he actually has been pretty solid. And of course, he'll probably make a crazy play against us because that's how it works sometimes. So, um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to highlight kind of a compliment to him as Jalen Ford, number 41. So, um, another linebacker on the Texas D. So he leads the team in tackles and stops. Um, he's been a pretty solid tackler, but kind of goes both ways with him. So he's, you know, he's gotten into the backfield made some plays, gotten some pressures, but he has been exposed in the passing game. Um, he's been targeted the second most on the defense. And he, like I said, he is at the linebacker position. Targeted 16 times and allowed 13 catches. And remember, you get targeted more when your guy's open also. It's like, you, you know, you shut your guy down, you're not going to get targeted much. Targeted 16, 13 catches, that's, you know, not great. Um, he has also allowed the most yards and coverage. So what I'm seeing in Jalen Ford is maybe a nice matchup for O'Laughlin, maybe a running back slipping out wide, something like that. Um, you know, that might be a weakness, something we can, we can capitalize on. 
Yeah, I'm looking at his uh, his PFF numbers right now. So grading out at a 55.5, which is you know that's kind of a, a replacement level where you'd be you'd be looking for somebody better if you had one. Missing 20 percent of his tackles. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, you know if you can. I know we uh, man that play before the half that we were talking about earlier to Sam James where he saluted the saluted the cadets. <laughs> um, got matched up on Dax Holyfield, right? Complete mismatch, and and we we manufactured it and we took advantage of it. So. Maybe that's something we, we look to do with Ford uh, this Saturday. Yeah. I mean, that's part of the offense is finding mismatches. I think that could be one, especially Laughlin Brandon and some good catches last week. Um, yeah. I think that could, that could be a, that could be a hole in the D for sure. All right. So my third guy, Jade Barron. Um, so I think he's listed as a safety starting spur, which is kind of their, their safety corner hybrid. Um, Grading out really well. He kind of plays all over the place for him. Um, he's very similar. I, I think I highlighted Shamari Connor last week as kind of Virginia Tech's joker where, you know, they're going to put him in the box. They're going to put him at free safety some. They're going to put him in the slot a lot. Um, Jade Barron is kind of that guy for Texas. Um, super high. I think he has their highest coverage grade of anybody who's played more than, you know, five or ten snaps. Um, so he's been good at coverage, has a lot of tackles. He's missed some tackles, but he's still been productive as a, as a tackler. Um so, I, you know, I think he's a guy where, you know, we talk about uh, – kind of talk about that matchup with Sam James just now. Um, you know, he's a guy who's who's probably going to be involved in that matchup a good bit. Um, so, you know, can Sam James beat him? I'm looking now. He's, he's allowed uh, completions on 16 of the 19 times that he's been targeted in the slot. So, 84.7, but he hasn't allowed a touchdown yet. And it looks like he's not allowing much after the catch or anything like that. So, um you know, he's getting got a little bit, but he's putting people on the ground. He has a pick, no touchdowns allowed. He's a good player, and, you know, I think he's he's going to be a, a guy where if we can win that matchup, we're going to be able to move the ball pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think, like, I think that's a good highlight. I think this defense is obviously filled with lots of talent. I think um, there are definitely opportunities, though, and the way this offense has been clicking, um, there are definitely – you know, I, I still feel like we can move the ball against this defense. I don't think this defense is anything we probably haven't seen um, in certain aspects. I, you know, I think that we can move the ball. So, and this may be a good transition. My matchup to watch, and this is kind of what I talked about a little bit with the Virginia Tech situation, but my matchup is just the situational play calling and decisions from the offense, um, you know, versus whatever defense you're getting there. But, you know, we can't kick four field goals against Texas. Uh, we got to keep scoring the ball. And, you know, sometimes it's as simple as just understanding the situation, the down and distance. If you're on the 30 yard line and you have fourth or third and six, you know, pick up four yards and then have fourth and two and go for it. You know, you don't have to get it all at once. You don't want to end up in a fourth and long to where you have to kick, you know, situations like that. I just want to see some aggressive play calling, take advantage of these things, take some shots um, and just can we, you know, kind of improve on that. That's my biggest harp on the offense so far and really just the Neil Brown era. But um, yeah, to stay aggressive, we, we got to go out and beat these guys. Just don't not lose to them. Dude, play on the front foot, both sides of the ball, man. We've, we've, we've done it the last two weeks. We got to, and you know, it's been inferior. We got to keep doing that shit. Now that we're playing good teams, we can't just, you can't start playing like Troy again now that it's Texas at night, you know? Um, so yeah, no, that's, that's a really good call out. I, I, I put, we have to hold up again, just cause just like last week, uh, you know, the defensive line is the strength of the defense coming in. It didn't end up being that big of a deal. Our offense played probably its best game of the last three seasons against Virginia tech. And it wasn't an issue at all. 
Um, but we have to hold up again. These, it's like I said, it's a different challenge. Virginia Tech's an even front. This is an odd front with bigger dudes. Um, they're going to come at us in waves. They've gotten pressure against. They got pressure against Alabama. And yeah, I don't. If you if you read the internet, maybe Alabama's offensive line isn't kind of what you know. It's not as good as it's been over the last uh, you know in the Saban era. But still, these dudes have gotten pressure on everybody they played. So we have to hold up up front. Um, and then yeah, kind of in the play calling vein. I thought I thought tech going tempo, um, tech kind of going a little bit fast last weekend, uh, really really bothered Texas. Um, like you said, you have bigger guys up front that that matters. There's there's two sides yeah. of that coin, right? Um, they're harder to move out of the way. It's harder for those dudes to run thirty yards down the field if we hit a big play. So you know if we hit a big play, get up on the line, run it again, do it. You know, go fast. We said they 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 faced a hundred snaps last week against Tech. They faced 84 against UTSA the week before. So, I mean, that's almost 200 snaps in two weeks. This could be a defense that's kind of tired um, early in the season already. And so I think you kind of have to lean into that. Like you said, you know, if we have to if we have to get the ball out, if we're, if we're nickeling and diamond out there, we're still making those guys move a lot at one time. And if we get up on the ball, they can't get them off the field. And so I think that that's something we really have to lean into. Like you said, situational awareness. If we get big yards – Step on the gas, right? Uh, you know, tech tech converted. Um, I, I should have pulled it up and I didn't, but they did a ton of that stuff where you're talking about where it was, you know, third and eight, third and seven, and they gained four or five and then just went for it on fourth down and got it. So, um, I th- you know, I think the, the script has been laid there. I don't think tech is more talented than we are offensively. I certainly wouldn't trade their quarterback for ours. So, um, yeah, I don't, I don't see why, I don't see why we can't score you know, mid to high thirties, if not 40 points on this defense. If we, if we manage the game, if we finish drives. Yeah. All great points. Um, yeah, I'm looking right now, actually this game. So at game time, this is obviously like a week in advance or whatever, but temperature is looking to be 87. Um, so conditioning definitely could be an issue. It's probably the hottest game we're going to have played in so far this year. For sure. Uh, um, but yeah, like run, you know, you get a big gash play, run tempo, make the D line run 20 yards down the field and then set up and, you know, run it again, things like that. So, you know, hopefully, obviously both teams are playing in the same environment. Hopefully the conditioning is, um, you know, we're going to be a little more well rested. I hope that plays into our favor, but, um, man, it's an exciting game. It's a big game. This matters a lot for both fan bases, matters a lot for both coaches, um, matters a lot for the trajectory of these teams and where you're going in the Big 12 because the loser is 0-2 in conference play and has a lot of questions, like I said, a lot of questions to answer coming out of this game for the loser. So, um, yeah, I mean, Texas is obviously going to be favored by high single to low double digits, um, but, I, you know, I feel fine. I feel like this offense can move the ball. The defense, this is going to be, you know, it's a, it's a test. Uh, but you don't have to stop them every time. I think knowing that the offense can can retaliate, like can come back and, and score on the same side. So um, I'm excited as usual. I'm uh, optimistic and excited. And as usual, yeah, let's go. Let's go get the horns down. Last time, probably in Austin. Yeah, dude. I mean, I'm I'm just looking like even eight and a, eight and a half on the low end on Fanduel, right? Like, I mean, they're gonna have to score. 45 or 50 points to like if the offense moves the ball the way I picture it moving the ball they're gonna have to score 45 points to cover eight and a half against us so like that just seems it's borderline disrespectful I think I agree with you like 62 64 and a half whatever the over under is um have seen it somewhere in that neighborhood I feel like that 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 feels low 
Um, that's a 36-26 game is what they're yeah. predicting. I think we're going to score 26 points. I don't think this. I don't know. I don't know if this is the best defense we faced this year. I'm pretty confident that it's not. So, um, yeah, no, I, I I think I like the over. Um, I definitely like us at 10 or 11. I'm probably gonna probably gonna get in there at eight and a half even. So you know, just because I you know I am what I am. <laughs> I am what I am. But uh, but yeah, no, I just I don't know. I don't know. I think uh, I I like us going in there. So, yeah, I mean, this could be this could be a pretty big win for the uh, the climb, uh, getting back on track and um, season getting getting rolling here. And yeah, it, it has potential. It's an opportunity. You can look at it that way. You know, dude, you, you talk about game. signature. Go ahead. Sorry. I'm just going to say you lose this game. You're not supposed to win it, you know, whatever. But you win this game and it's a huge opportunity. That's exactly what I was going to say, man. You, you, we, we've been complaining about signature wins. Uh, you know, 23 points on the road at tech and then beating Texas the week after, um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't fully silence any critics, but it sure as hell shuts them up for a couple weeks. Oh, buys you a lot of goodwill and yeah, just get the, get the swagger, get the, get the thing, um, get, get the vibes right. You know, the vibes are pretty good right now. I'm not going to lie for, for an own two start. The vibes are, I think just fine. And, uh, yeah, big opportunity. I think you can go and, uh, go and steal one here. So. Dude, it's it's crazy, man. We we talk about what a difference a couple weeks makes. Like you win two games the way we want them. You see Kansas keep winning, Pitt keeps winning, and it's so much easier to talk yourself into like, fuck, we're two snaps. You know, we're less than five snaps from being four and zero right now, and probably yeah. a top twenty team, right? And, and your two and losses so, are, are twenty four and twenty six in the poll, so it's not like yeah. egregious losses, even though sure. yeah, like you said, they were very winnable games. So. Yep. Cool. Well, I think that wraps up the pod. This was, uh, this might've been our longest episode. I think just lots of, lots of good stuff to talk about from VT. And then obviously high intrigue matchup. So absolutely. Um, Yeah. So uh, as always, thank you for listening. Um, You can get us on smokingmusket.com. Also find us on Twitter that we have a Twitter for the pod. It's at West by pod with underscores. I'm Joel Bracken at WV stats guy. He's Jordan Pinto at game day shorts. Let's go Mountaineers. We'll catch you guys next time. Horns down.